welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Just let me adjust myself. No, wait, not like that. Just my seat. Got to get comfortable here on a Tuesday. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, good show for you today. Dwayne Rollins, 24th Minute on Twitter, Canadian Soccer News Purveyor, will join us. Talk about a Canadian league. There's word out there that there's going to be a Canadian league. Dwayne himself reporting this to Canadian Soccer News. Could be a big deal. We'll get from him what the scope of said league will be, what the aims of said league will be, what exactly, you know, what exactly is going on with it. Is traffic sports involved? Because, you know, they got in trouble. They're kind of under the watchful eye of the Department of Justice. Okay, anyway. We will uh, we'll also take your phone calls later on in the show, as always. Make sure you're lined up for that. Should be uh, plenty to talk about. And that brings us to the headlines this morning. I'm going to start with the United States U-20s down at the World Cup in New Zealand. 4 nothing winners over the host Kiwis. Two goals from Rubio Rubin, a goal from Emerson Hyman, a goal from Paul Ariola. By all reports, a fantastic performance by Gideon Zalalem. And the United States is now through to the knockout rounds of that tournament for the first time since 2007. They are guaranteed a top two spot in that group. And if they beat or draw with the Ukraine in the last game, they will win the group. They did beat Myanmar in that first match 2-1. Now that... That did not look too great ahead of last night's match because Ukraine demolished Myanmar 6-0. Although Myanmar did hang on for about 50 minutes before the floodgates opened. Ukraine scored one and then it just started pouring in. So a little bit of concern on my part watching Ukraine dispatch Myanmar thinking, wow, you know, the United States only beat Myanmar 2-1. They allowed a goal. They didn't, they didn't look great. What's going to happen against the Kiwis, who kept Ukraine to a goalless draw? But Tab Ramos and company got the job done. Uh, the highlights I saw, I did not see the whole game. I apologize. It did start at 3.30 in the morning. I mean, come on. But the highlights I saw indicated that most of, that all of the U.S. goals, for the most part, maybe except for maybe that set piece for the first one, were... Kiwi mistakes that the U.S. pounced on. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't play well. And again, those reports say that they did. But they didn't. It, the, the goals themselves definitely came from New Zealand mistakes. And I'd rather have the United States be punishing those mistakes than not. So there you go. What's making the rounds this morning is a lot of gifs and vines of Mr. Zalalem as he showed off his silky smooth skills. In New Zealand. The man put on a bit of a show. There's a Rabona cross in there. There's a nutmeg in there. Dribbles past five uh, defenders to set up a goal. Played very well. He's not the finished product, but he played very well. I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not driving the hype train, but I'm definitely somewhere in the middle cars. Sitting back there, sipping on some coffee. Thinking to myself, this is not a bad place to be in the middle of the train. I don't know how fast we want the thing to go. And again, he's got to make the senior team at Arsenal. But for the time being, good stuff from 
Zalalem and from the USU-20s again who, who move on to the knockout rounds of that tournament. The other thing I saw, the highlights of this, of this game, all four goals, fantastic, and the last one was just an absolute disaster from the New Zealand defense. And their goalkeeper, this is the official, you have to go watch the official FIFA highlights. They're out there, probably on FIFA TV's YouTube page. The official FIFA highlights end with the New Zealand goalkeeper with an audible F-bomb. Just letting it fly because, yeah, yeah, I'd be frustrated too, buddy. Totally get it. More developments in the FIFA scandal. A payment made by FIFA to Jack Warner is, uh, is under scrutiny here. Apparently, this is, a, this is money that was intended to go to the South African Football Federation as part of World Cup money, but was sent to Jack Warner, the allegation being that Jack Warner helped bring votes to get South Africa the World Cup. Now, the story here is that Jerome Valky is accused of being the individual that authorized the payment to, uh, to Jack Warner, to CONCACAF, on behalf of the South African Federation. FIFA has denied this. Uh, Valky has, uh, has also canceled a trip to the Women's World Cup in Canada, which starts in five and change, five days and change, six days. With FIFA saying that he needed to take, needs to take care of business back in Zurich. Yeah, okay, sure. He just doesn't want to be anywhere near the United States because of the investigation. Now again, FIFA did, in fact, deny that Valky even had the authorization the authority, excuse me, to authorize the payment. But this morning, we have a smoking gun. In a letter directed, addressed directly to Mr. Valky, the South African Football Association requests that money be directed to the president of CONCACAF, i.e. Jack Warner, who shall act as a fiduciary of the fund. $10 million. So Jerome Valky at least had knowledge of this situation. This is a bribe paid by FIFA to FIFA. In, uh, you know, a bribe paid to Jack Warner from FIFA. A bribe to get the World Cup to South Africa because that's what Jack, that's what Sepp Blatter wanted and that's what FIFA wanted, ultimately. We'll see what the fallout from this is. But the other element of it that is getting a lot of headlines is it's, it pulls things much closer to Sepp Blatter than we've previously seen. Jerome Valky is his boy and his right-hand man, and now he is pulled in. He is in this mess. He is previously, his story's not, go back and read Jerome Valky's story. The man was once fired from FIFA for being shady with marketing deals. Then he was cleared and rehired, and here we go. He's back in the news, part of the corrupt organization. We'll finish news up with this. CONCACAF Champions League draw last night. All MLS teams, well... A, a solid draw for some MLS teams, and I'll come to the most difficult group and the two MLS teams that have the toughest path uh, in a second. Remember, three team groups, you win the group, you move on. That's your only opportunity to advance in the tournament. Focusing on the MLS teams, the LA Galaxy ended up with, in a group with Comunicaciones of Guatemala and Central FC of Trinidad and Tobago. It's a very good group for the LA Galaxy. The uh, Real Salt Lake ended up in a group with CSD Municipal of, of Guatemala and Santa Tecla FC of El Salvador. 
So there you go, a good uh, a good group for RSL. DC United in a group with Arabi Unido from Panama and Montego Bay United of Jamaica. But the toughest group of the bunch, Group F, the Vancouver Whitecaps, drawn into a group with the Seattle Sounders and CD Olympia of Honduras, who are no pushovers. So there's your group of death because you have to identify that. Let's take a let's take a break when we come back. We will talk to uh, my old friend Dwayne Rollins from the 24th minute Canadian soccer news. Canadians, Canada's Canada, Canada's going to get its own league. Let's talk about that. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Back on Soccer Morning, joined now via Skype by my old blogging friend, Dwayne Rollins. Find his work at Canadian Soccer News. In fact, now is a fantastic time to go check out Canadian Soccer News and support what Dwayne and his people do up there in Canada. Dwayne, how are you, sir? I'm, I'm well, Jason. Good to be back, as always. It's good to have you. Let's start with... Um, what I imagine is the biggest headline for for you at the moment, the biggest news in Canadian soccer circles, and that's the uh, the word that there's going to be uh, per your reporting an independent. Explain to me, Canadian Soccer League, even though there's already a there was, I, I'm confused. Explain it to me. It, it, yeah, they they like the term one A up here, the the Division One A, and it's going to launch in 2017. I have this from uh, I reported on Canadian Soccer News yesterday. It's a, a story I've been following for a while. Um, and I have I can't reveal my sources obviously, but the the sourcing is quite high. I, I have great confidence in this report that they are going to to launch this league coast to coast between eight and ten teams in 2017, this spring of 2017. I mean, it's badly needed. We obviously need it. The question is whether it will work. The question is how it fits with MLS, NASL, yeah. USL. There's yeah. so many acronyms out there, and that's the question. But I I, I believe that the vision. Uh, from what I've been told, is to to basically allow the MLS teams to continue uh, and to create a level which is maybe acknowledged to be a, a little bit below that, but uh, but operates nonetheless as Canada's Division One. Okay, uh, so many questions, Dwayne. So many questions. You mentioned uh, obviously the uh, the MLS teams. Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. We know about the uh, NESL teams, Edmonton, Ottawa. How? Where? Where are these teams going to be? Where? What cities are left? What markets make sense for Canada's top division? Yeah, they were very careful not to disclose the markets, although they they gave me some hints in terms of where the money was coming from. And the one of the main backers is is the CFL and the CFL owners. So you can draw some conclusions there on on what cities have stadiums and have CFL teams that don't have soccer teams right now. We're talking about your Regina's, your Winnipeg's, your Calgary's. Um, and then then it gets a little complicated after that because you have Montreal, you have Toronto, you have Vancouver all have CFL teams and stadiums that, that may be able to work with this. But, of course, they have MLS teams there. So what happens there? Do sure. they go into those markets? I, I've i been told Hamilton is the other other market that sure. will yeah. most definitely be in there. There's already lots of uh, – there's confirmation that Hamilton is interested in starting a team at some level. I've been told that this is their preference is to – 
is to hold off and launch in this league rather than go to the NASL. Um, Toronto's the big question. Can you launch a, a league without without Toronto in this country? I, I would say no. Um, I'm seeing some some holdback on the Women's World Cup hype in this country, largely because there aren't games in Toronto. Maybe we'll talk about that later. I think that without Toronto in the league, that it would be a disaster. So the question is, where do they play in this city? What does MLSC have to say about that? How does TFC fit in? So many questions, as you said. Uh, this sounds like an expensive endeavor. Even if you have the stadiums ready to go, even if you have CFL backing, just the, the I mean, you know, we talk about the lower divisions here in the States and the biggest thing they have to deal with is, is stuff like travel. Is that there's going to be enough support and, you know, institutional, organizational support? You know, the, the last thing you want to do is to start a league, have it be bare bones, and an amateur, and, and even though you're calling a professional, and 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 not not give fans a reason to come out, Dwayne. No, and that's absolutely the, the case. And uh, this isn't a fly by night operation. This plan, these planning, this planning has been going on for about three years now. It's tied in to the 2026 World Cup bid. Uh, they will need a league. Uh, FIFA requires that. Whether FIFA will be having a 2026 World Cup is another conversation <laughs> for another day, perhaps. But yeah. uh, it, it's all tied into that. Um, the other thing that I was told, and again, there were confidential agreements in place. They had to be careful about what they could and could not tell me. Uh, but it was very strongly implied that there was other professional sports money behind this within Canada. They wouldn't tell me who that is. But there's not a lot of other professional sports uh, teams in Canada that uh, that aren't in one particular sport. And I think we all know what that sport is. So uh, I, I suspect that there might be some NHL money behind this, either at the ownership level, well, be at the ownership level. So uh, okay. You know, there is okay. is some, some backing here. It's, it all sounds very encouraging, Dwayne. The, the, the question I have, and you mentioned the 2026 World Cup bid, and maybe we'll come to that and we'll, we'll connect these dots. If this happens and this is going, why would FIFA, if there is a thing called FIFA, you know, when that uh, when all of this comes down, or, or whoever is in, in charge, why would they continue to allow this, this waiver that, gives MLS and NESL the ability to operate in two countries. If there is a top Canadian league, why not just say, hey, Vancouver, you got to move to the to the new Canadian league because that's how everybody else does it around the world. Yeah, yeah it's a good question and, and not, not one that anyone's willing to answer at this point. We do know this, that the three MLS teams are, are not at all interested no, in pulling sure, out of, of Major not. League Soccer. Right. Um, that that's not something that's going to happen. There, there's a financial too much financially invested in that. I mean, you look at uh, I would I would estimate TFC if they sold right now would sell for something like seventy five eighty million dollars. You know, you're not going to get that value uh, within a Canadian soccer league of, of any type anytime soon, right? So they'd be stupid to try and pull out from that. Um, I suspect that uh, you know Canada does, as we've talked about before, have a fairly solid relationship with, with some of the major players in the world right now when it comes to FIFA, when it comes to CONCACAF, although, again, recent events may challenge that. So I suspect that these these conversations have happened. I do know that I was told by a source uh, in the days immediately following the uh, the fallout from FIFA that it was a quote-unquote setback to to these league planning. So you can draw your own Ooh, conclusion there. It was only a couple days later where you know sources reached out to me to, to give me the story that, that I had reported yesterday. So I suspect they're trying to get ahead of this right now. Uh, they wanted to stress that traffic wasn't involved. They, they want to make sure that their, their money that, that is... Uh, softly committed right now isn't going to go running away out of, out of fear. So I suspect that that has a lot to do with the timing of the leak that came to me. Okay, yeah, and you mentioned traffic sports. Now, obviously, 
Aaron Davidson embroiled in the controversy, the scandal, and indicted uh, by um, by American authorities. There has been talk out there that traffic was uh, not so subtly pushing Canada to bid for the 2026 World Cup and may have even had some sort of investment in, in that in that effort, is that something that's been decoupled at this point? And, uh, you know, if they're not involved in the league, I imagine that, they, that uh, you know, the CSA is trying to move forward without traffic in their other endeavors as well. Yeah, I, I know that in the early days of the league talk that the NASL certainly was involved. They, the, the CSA stresses that traffic was never directly involved. However, it's hard to separate the NASL from traffic sometimes, especially when you look at some of their past dealings. But nonetheless, they, they do stress there has never been a traffic involvement directly. The NASL, in terms of their involvement, that was uh, a while ago. And the CSA stressed the other day that the their involvement was uh, grossly exaggerated, is how they said. And then this is something that flew through the, the system here that many people told me. Uh, they are now claiming that uh, that this, is again, was exaggerated. The NASL, for their part, has has said themselves that they sort of dropped, quote-unquote, dropped the ball. I think I believe they said that on your show drop the ball on the Canada front and they might get back into it soon. So so it does seem like the NASL and Canada are no longer working as closely together as we once thought. Okay, this is uh, it's a very interesting development. Um, again, I mean, you know, the, the sanctioning issues, I imagine, are, are something that you deal with when you get to the point of actually launching the league. Uh, if they're not there yet, there's a lot of work to do. Um, from your perspective, Dwayne, in, in more of an opinion uh, capacity, you know, you mentioned Toronto, and, and we're going to come to to the the place of Toronto in the in the Women's World Cup or lack thereof. It, it, beyond that, though, is this is this something that you think can be successful enough? I mean, what's the target you imagine? I mean, the NASL, if they're getting eight thousand out a game, they're doing very well. Is there even a chance of that for for a top Canadian league that's not NASL or MLS? It's tough. It's tough out of these markets. I mean, look, I I'm all in favor of them trying to do something. I think that this country clearly. Within the system that currently exists, it's great for fans in Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal to have an MLS team in their backyard. Is it great for Canadian soccer on an overall level? I don't necessarily think that that argument can has much merit to it at this point. We're, we're nine years in. Uh, there haven't been a lot of players produced by TFC, by Montreal, by Vancouver that are really impacting the national team situation. So you do need a greater structure behind it. Can it succeed? It's going to be a tough haul. They would need a lot of money behind it early. They would need a lot of money committed for the long haul. And I think that that's the, the key to this is the, the CFL involvement. Uh, there's a lot of um, support and power out west, especially, that can maybe hold up those teams while they found their foothold because that's been the problem in the past. I mean, the last CSL only lasted, I think it was three or four years. I forget. I'd have to look it up. But it was a short period of time nonetheless. You need that backing, that financial backing, that financial club, that marketing muscle behind it. And if the CFL is involved, then certainly, you know, it, it is a success story in its own on its own merit outside of Toronto, which is a different topic altogether. But in the West, especially, it has excelled, it has succeeded. Uh, if TSN, for instance, is involved with the, the the Canadian Soccer League again in this in this way, then maybe that can help too. So it's important to have those partners out there that know what they're doing and have that marketing push. And if they do have that, then it has a chance. In terms of what it is, I, I don't know. I don't have a concept of what the skill level would be at this point in time. It, it's hard to envision it being even even at the level of, of the NASL, but we don't know what the salary cap would be in a sure. status yeah. and stuff so, like that yet. Lots of, lots of things to be determined yet. Um, we're talking to Dwayne Rollins from the 24th Minute on Twitter and Canadian Soccer News reporting 
that Canada is looking to start a, a new top-level national league that would uh, operate alongside both MLS and NESL. It's, it's a lot of competition. It's a lot of soccer uh, in, in a country with a big country with a small population, uh, comparatively speaking to the U.S., obviously, Dwayne. Um, let's come let's come to the to the Women's World Cup, which starts in less than a week. And let's talk well, before we talk about Canada specifically uh, and the national team. You, you mentioned Toronto not having games and this being whether or not the, the Women's World Cup is. It can be as relevant to Canada without Toronto being the centerpiece or at least part of the, the process. And I know that, you know, sort of, uh, I imagine sort of like the, the way New York is viewed here in the States, Toronto gets a little bit of that love-hate thing from the rest of the country. Give me, give me a scope here on, on the Women's World Cup, Toronto's place or lack thereof, and then, you know, how this thing is actually bubbling up a week to, with a week, less than a week to go. Yeah, and look, with the caveat that I am located in, in the city of Toronto, so my, my experience is mostly in Greater Toronto, although I have traveled a bit in the, in the, little, the last little bit to see uh, some of the hype around the World Cup, and it just does not seem to be at the same level. Outside of TSN, which are the host broadcasters, CTV and TSN, uh, you're not really seeing advertisements, you're not really seeing um, pieces on the news, uh, stories going forward. And that's largely, I believe, because the national media is mostly centered in the city of Toronto, which is to the bane of the existence of the rest of the country. They don't, that's exactly the love hate is it's more like hate hate in a lot of ways, but uh, they don't really like that. But I think certainly the fact that it's not in Toronto is, has been a hindrance to, uh, to the hype around it. Now, what I've said and when I've been asked this in, in other areas is that it will all depend on how Canada does, whether this tournament is a, a massive success moving forward. And it doesn't really help that the first game on Saturday is up against the Stanley Cup final. It's up against the – well, not directly up against the Champions League, but it's the same day. It, it's going to be complicated for it to drive space in, in the first days. And, you know, it's in Edmonton, which is not a major center. And there's a lot of things going on here. I've heard that they've sold around 35,000 tickets for that first game right now. Hopefully in this week they can drive that up and get a full house in there because it's going to be key to the optics of it to have a big, passionate, you know, pro-Canada with just enough away support in there to make it look exciting, uh, support in that first game to, to make people think that it's an exciting thing. And in terms of the Canadian national team and, and, and where they sit right now, again, I mean, I, I told you from my perspective, and I'll admit that with everything else going on, it's been very difficult to kind of pay attention to the build-up to this. And, and obviously, I'm U.S.-focused, and I know the U.S. team, while a favorite on some level, certainly has their issues. What's the, the situation with Canada right now? Well, I would – yeah, I follow this, the women's game on both – from a Canadian perspective and outside it. So I see kind of what you're saying that there's really no one's talking about Canada outside of Canada. And, and bluntly, uh, you know, and with apologies to the Canadian listeners on here, I don't really blame the rest of the world for not talking about the Canadian national team because I just don't see them as a player in this tournament. They, they can make a quarterfinals, perhaps. Uh, they have a fairly easy group, although I, I do really like what the Dutch have been doing in the buildup to, to maybe be the favorites in that group right now. But here in Canada, the, it's completely 180 from that. There's talk about them making the final, about how anything short of that is a failure. Uh, John Herdman was penning um, an op-ed in the Globe and Mail, the national newspaper here, to uh, talk about how they, you know, they have to win now. It's vital that they win now, and I, the results just don't really back that up. This is a team that's uh, that's getting long in the tooth. Uh, Christine Sinclair has not been the same player that she had been uh, previous after the Olympics. That sort of was the peak of her her performance internationally. She's barely scored since then. 
they they have a core group there that that had that maybe peaked about 2012 that maybe 2011 2012 that period there which which had the bronze medal which had a lot of luck behind it but nonetheless was a bronze medal that, that no one can ever take away from them at the Olympics that that might have been their peak and this World Cup just seems just a little too late for them but you know the hype out here is all about winning and there's not a lot of depth in women's soccer coverage at the best of times so. The country could be in for a letdown, in my opinion. Well, okay, I mean, let's 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 put that to the side. I mean, uh, you know, I think I think a full assessment of these teams sometimes is difficult. As I said, the United States has plenty of talent. There's lots of people here that will tell you that they're not really good enough to beat uh, Germany and Japan right now, or who, you know, top teams in the world. So um, it's it's all in. I think we're I think we're our tendency is as fans to maybe undersell a little bit. Uh, but, but if if they do, let's just let's pretend everything comes comes good, Dwayne. If they do make the final, what does that mean for for Canadian soccer, for Canadian women's soccer, and and maybe for the sport in general? I think it'd be massive. Uh, it would be very similar to '99 in the states. I think it would drive a lot of things. Drive a lot of. Uh, overall sport popularity. I think in here in Canada and the United States are the two countries in the world which do view the women's and the men's game on an equal footing. Um, I, I think this, the men's game still has a lot of advantages in both countries, but nonetheless, a, a World Cup win by the women would be viewed here in Canada as as equal to, to a men's World Cup win. It would be seen as a massive story, one of the biggest stories in Canadian sports history if they were to, to do something like that or to make a final. In some ways, a tragic loss is more the Canadian way anyway. I mean, they talk about that Olympic semifinal loss to the U.S. like it was a win in many ways. So uh, the, the tragic noble loss is, is, is part of the Canadian psyche in well, hey, many, the, many the, ways. Like, hey, hey, to be fair, that is, that is a weird call we never see. So, I mean, I'm not even going to go back and revisit it because I'm sure... <laughs> This is this is very much uh, you know uh, 2007 Gold Cup territory, Dwayne. Oh. <laughs> don't get me going on uh, that. I, one, don't, I don't really don't want to. I really really don't want to. Uh, you know, but the the bottom line is is this is an opportunity to uh, to improve the profile of of the women's game in North America. I mean, period. Um, you know, obviously all of the times are going to line up very nicely for the American markets, Dwayne. Uh, the U.S. women are getting some attention. I think this is being overshadowed by the FIFA scandal, but I hope people still watch. Um, are people in Canada gonna gonna watch? In the you know, obviously the the populations are very different, but in terms of the ratings and and the num the uh, the percentage of the population that's gonna care, how how big is that gonna be? Yeah, I think that the general interest audience will find this tournament, especially if Canada starts to succeed, and they have been given a group which is manageable for them. They haven't been drawn in against a Germany, against a Japan, against a, a, a France. So they're not, they're not going to get hammered in this, in this group stage. And I think that's key. Uh, you know, I'm, I always look back, I look at my mother and I think, is my mom going to watch this? And I think my mom will watch this. And my mom's not really a sports fan. You know what I mean? Yeah. She'll watch it because it's Canada, because it's the thing people are talking about, because it's being pumped on TSN. Uh, and, and that that interest will drive from there. In terms of hooking the general sports fan, there is a lot of competition right now. In the early days of this tournament, the Champions League final, as I said on Saturday, the Stanley Cup final, although it has less interest up here than usual this year for, for whatever reason, uh, is all going to be competing for the general sports fan. But in terms of the general audience, the potential is there. It all ties into how the home team does, I think. Uh, yeah, Dwayne, I know you're, I know you're in Toronto, uh, but uh, you know, I have um, the best soccer shows, my other podcast I do. I do it with, uh, with Jared Dubois. He, was, um, he took a cruise, and he ended up in Vancouver um, last week. 
and he said he went, you know, walking around, driving around Vancouver, even past BC Place, he didn't see any sign of the Women's World Cup. Is that Would that be surprising to you? No. Uh, the only advertising that I – again, it's in Toronto, so it's hard to say it's not a host city, but uh, – the only advertising I'm really seeing being pushed in a big way is FIFA related, or sorry, uh, TSN related. It's uh, the TSN advertising on bus billboards and things like that. Um, I talked to Kevin Laramie, my co-host of my podcast. He's in Montreal, of course, and he says the same thing there. That outside of maybe the odd ad on the subway, you're not really seeing direct promotion about it, and I'm not too sure why that's the case. Uh, but did I lose you, Dwayne? Oh, we dropped out for a second there. What, you were saying that you're not sure why that's the case? And you're not back yet. <laughs> we may have lost Dwayne. Okay, we got a connection problem with Dwayne Rollins. Apologies for that. If he comes back, we'll jump right back into it. Um, yep, yeah, and I've completely lost Dwayne Rollins. All right, so uh, no, no worries there. We can move on. We'll get uh, we'll get to a break here. We'll open up the phone lines on this uh, on the other side for your questions and comments. I, I think there are a lot. There, there were some other things I wanted to talk to Dwayne about. Maybe some TFC, considering it's going a little bit. Uh, it's going pretty well for them right now, despite Josie Outdoor's injury. Uh, Sebastian Jovinko is probably the best player in MLS at the moment. Uh, perhaps no surprise to a lot of people who have seen him play before and obviously bringing a uh, significant skill set from Juventus over to the United States. And uh, this is something I was going to get to with Dwayne Rollins, uh, and I will set this up for discussion on the other side when we open up the phone lines here on Soccer Morning. This is a, um, this is a link that I saw on Twitter to a, a website called Ukraine... What is this called? Uh, hold on one second. I've lost the uh, I lost the link. Uh, Ukraine something. Um, it's a website. You here we go. Ukraine today. Europe plots alternative World Cup in place of Russia 2018. European football officials are set to meet on Friday to discuss holding an alternative World Cup and a bid to topple and battle FIFA chief Seb Blatter. The plan to boycott the World Cups in Russia in 2018 and 2022 in Qatar. Uh, would involve European teams and some South American countries forming an alternative tournament. Question. Would you like the United States to be part of said alternative tournament? Let's do that on the other side. Soccer Morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Phone lines open here on Soccer Morning on a Tuesday. 646-832-3909. Jump on the line. Tell me your thoughts on the U-20 performance down in New Zealand. Are you all aboard the Zalalem hype train? What car are you sitting in? I got uh, Bill Reese telling me he's in the bar car, which is a good place to be because then you could have a drink, relax a little bit. I like an old fashioned. Bill, can I get? Can I come and join you in the bar car? Get an old fashioned. Enjoy that drink. It's a good drink. Just maybe just a couple of fingers of whiskey. You'll be all right. Maybe maybe you're a beer guy. Whatever, whatever you enjoy. Maybe the bar car is the place to be. Maybe that's where I should be. 
If you're in the sleeper, what does that mean exactly? I'm not really sold yet, but I felt like I should come along. I'm asleep the entire time in the sleeper car. Uh, maybe you're in the, I guess that's about it, right? That's pretty much all there is. <laughs> the standard, the standard, you know, rooms and the seats and the, yeah, whatever. Hype train, people. Gideon Zalalem. America's next. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go that far. I, I've been so good about restraining myself on getting too excited about players who have yet to prove them, prove it at the top level. I, I just, I, I, I have, to, I got to be good again about that. Let, let's talk about this alternative World Cup. Let's toss both both of those lines in the water. Zalalem, the U twenties, all the U twenties. Talk about all of them if you want to, if you want to. Not just Zalalem, but the U twenties. And this alternative World Cup idea. Now, again, this comes from Ukraine today. I actually saw this story yesterday and didn't talk about it because the source was not one of my favorite sources. The uh, name of the source rhymes with Faley Dale. And I didn't really want to talk about something that came from the Faley Dale. So I didn't. I'm not sure that this is any better, this particular resource or outlet, but. You know, you take what you can get. 646-832-3909. Hit us up. Let me know. Because this says, again, this says UEFA, which is not going to include include Russia. Russia's going to go and do their own thing. They're not really on board with the UEFA block. But if UEFA, and, and when we say UEFA, do we mean everybody? I don't know. Most of them. And... Certain South American countries. That's what it says. Some South American countries. Okay, well, who do you need? Well, you need need Brazil. You need Argentina. You probably need Uruguay. You probably need Colombia. You might need, uh, I don't know, Paraguay would be a good get. I mean, take them all if you can. There's only 10 of them. But you absolutely need the big boys. So now we're talking, okay, are you going to do qualifying or is it just invite only? If it's invite only, UEFA's got the countries to fill out the tournament by themselves. They want to. But if they're going to run some sort of qualifying and then have individual spots open for invites, maybe the United States squeaks in. Maybe based on the marketing power of the U.S., we can get it. Do you want it that way, though? Like, that's the question. Do you want it that way? We're going to start with U-20s on the phones. Roberto in Connecticut. What's up, Roberto? A big bet written after watching that, having to wake up early, but it was all worth it. It was, You got up at, wait, wait, hold on. You got up at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch them play? I did. You are a committed I individual. I, bravo, sir. Well done. I did not even conceive of it because I went to bed at 12.30, 1 o'clock because I had to write last night. I was like, there's no way I'm getting up in two hours to watch this game. And or you know three hours or whatever, and then I had to get up. Jason, I did the same thing. I had I to get up. At, I, I had to get up at six to get my kid on the bus. I'm not doing that. I, I mean, I love these kids. <laughs> I'm excited. Who did you like, Roberto? Who did you like? Oh, Rubio Ruben. Yeah, you like him Definitely a lot. Huh? Rubio Ruben. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I just have a question about him regarding. Um, is this someone that most U.S. fans who probably haven't been watching U20 or U17 should really pay attention on, given his performances in? Holland and now on the national team. He's had he's had some he's had some senior call ups. He's played some matches. He's got a cap already, at least one, right? So yeah. so I think yeah, I think that the, the hardcore is aware. I mean he, he may still be unknown for a lot of people, but the hardcore is aware. 
and all reports are is that he is on a Star Trek in in, uh, in Holland. So I and I think that I think that yeah, he's certainly one to watch. Absolutely. Okay, and um, I guess regarding uh, Zellerman, how far do you think it will take him until we see him in the national team on the first team? Well, uh, you know, I, I I would imagine that he's going to start if he keeps playing the way he's playing, and he goes back to the Netherlands this uh, this next season and and is playing consistently and scoring goals. That I imagine he'll be, you know, he'll be a guy that, that gets significant looks heading into 2016, you know, or or in 2016 as the United States starts to ramp up qualifying. Because and now I don't because now I don't know about the Copa. I, I would identify him as a potential Copa America call up, Bill. Sorry, Bill Roberto, but I don't know. If we're gonna even play that tournament, so you know, well, maybe Olympics. Then maybe he's an Olympic player. He's definitely he should be yeah, an Olympic yeah. player. To be honest with you, he should be an Olympic player. Based on what the, what we have at the U twenty three level, he should be an Olympic player. I appreciate the call, Roberto. You got anything else? No, no, no. I just um, I hope that the United States national team keep going forward in this tournament. It sounds like a good generation that we have, and hope for the best. Yep. I appreciate it, man. I, some comments out there on Twitter. You know, it's funny how they went from it went from disaster because they beat Myanmar two one to oh, it's great right now because they beat New Zealand four nothing. Well, yeah, I mean that's what fans do. We swing back and forth wildly, but there's also the consideration that some nerves were obviously in play against Myanmar. Zalalem didn't get the start. He made a difference in this game. I I think there's look regardless of whether or not you believe this team's good enough to go win the tournament. I certainly think there's plenty of talent in this team. Bill and Queens, what's up? Hey Jason, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Go ahead. Hey, so uh, here's a question: Who do you think has the um, has the greatest chance of falling due to the DOJ indictments that came down last week? You think it's a greater chance that Seth Blatter? Loses uh, loses his power sometime in, in his four year term here, or do you think the NASL and all of the um, ramifications from traffic sports involvement of all this, and then you know uh, yesterday the fact that this Canadian league that might have been a part of NASL but now looks like it won't, do you think they have the greater chance of falling in the next four years? I don't think NASL is going anywhere. I think they'll find a way to insulate themselves from most of it. Uh, most of this that. The teams have been sold off. I don't think there's any real allegations or anything hinky going on there, except for Carolina. And that Carolina is the one thing I don't know about yet, Bill. Other than that, I think NASL will be fine. I think they'll move forward. Well, I mean, just like what Dwayne was saying, that the that the traffic thing uh, certainly did not help um, in the in in the, the the formation of this Canadian league and have it not be a part of of the NASL. Because I had always thought that really those two things. Needed to be sort of intertwined that they, that, you know, that they were that, that they needed each other to survive. That the Canadian League would need, you know, a higher level of competition in order to develop the the national team and its players, and then the NASL needed, uh, you know, more eyeballs on the sport and possibly, you know, some kind of way into, you know, a Concacaf Champions League to give them a, a different kind of prestige. So they kind of that really for for both of them to be separated, it seems like they're they're both missing out. I could see that, yeah. Uh, you know, that's. Um, I, I I don't know what I don't know what to to make of that of that thing the uh, the Canadian Soccer League yet. But when it comes to NESL, um, I, I, maybe it's, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just being hopeful here I, again, Bill. I mean, you, I understand what you're saying in terms of what what they'll get out of it, but I I mean in terms of what might happen with the with the NESL from all of this, I I can't imagine that. I don't know. I I just can't imagine that the the 
feds are going to I mean, who are they going to go after? Who who actually is going to have to go down for the league to have any problems? I guess is the question. Well, I mean, there was also the thing when you had John Tannenwald on about a month or so ago about the uh, you know the, the whole class A, class B shares or whatever. Yeah, that's true. How involved traffic still is yeah. in the league that that he wasn't one hundred percent sure. Uh, you know that it perhaps was not just an ownership of the, the Carolina franchise. Okay. Uh, by the way, just some uh, breaking news on uh, thanks to Madison Soccer on Twitter. German Federation would not support a boycott of the twenty eighteen. World Cup in opposition to FIFA. Damn it, Germany! What the hell, man? What you doing to me? Um, I yeah, that's uh, sorry. That's just breaking in with that, Bill. You got anything else, man? You, what where where else were we going with this? Uh, it's it's Tuesday. It's nothing good on tonight. I got got wait for tomorrow. There's some <laughs> Brazilian uh, Brazilian league and some MLS on. There's uh, yeah, that's true. There is um, the U23s are on BN Sport later this uh, later this morning. But uh, you know. Uh, from Toulon, it's it's Cutter, so you know I don't know if you're going to get much out of that match, and I don't think any, I don't think most of us can watch that. Hey, if I wanted to watch 40 minute halves, I'd just watch some rugby. <laughs> there you go. Thanks for the call, Bill. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> Take care. Phone number is six four six eight three two three nine zero nine. I yeah. So I'm a little distracted because of this this news uh, that the uh, Germans will not support a boycott of 2018. And you know what? I said I've been saying this, not that I, I'm crawling about being right. I think it's logical. It's going to be very difficult for even the big countries to pull out because they want the World Cup. Whatever alternative tournament UEFA comes up with is not going to have any prestige to it. It's not going to have it's not going to feel big because it's not the World Cup. Even if you want to argue that with the number of teams now in the World Cup, the the quality of play has been diluted and that it's not even as good as the euros and and i'm not going to argue with you i'm not arguing with you at all about that but even if you argue that it's difficult to argue that the world cup doesn't have so much more cachet to it so much more importance so much more heft to the title that you win when you win it and they're defending champions they've got world cups and yet here they are saying, we're not going to support this. German FA President Wolfgang Niersbach, speaking ahead of a meeting of UEFA officials, said this week, or this week said, we don't want to go down the route of a boycott. That won't accomplish anything. Wait, what? It won't? Germany and UEFA pulling out of FIFA won't, or boycotting a World Cup won't accomplish anything? What are you, nuts? Of course it would. You just don't have the balls to do it. I mean, I'm sure that's going to get me in trouble with with some Germans, but come on, man. Wolfgang, Wolfgang what's going on? Pablo, what's up? What's up? Hey, Pablo in D.C., how are you, Jason? Good morning. That's good. It's, I'm good. How are you? I think it's been a while, right? It's been a while. Yeah, I follow you every day, but, you know, I, I work and I can't call you. I'm teleworking today, so I'm taking advantage of that. Sweet. Jason, Sweet. Appreciate the call. <laughs> what's going on? Hey, so one of the reasons why I actually was teleworking, hopefully my employer's not watching this, but I could wake, wake up early to watch the youth 20 game. And, um, I've been following, um, you know, youth teams, U.S. youth teams for a while, for a long time. And I want to say that I'm, I'm with you that, you know, let's be wary of the hype train and all that stuff. But what I saw today from Emerson, what's the name? No, I'm missing him. Um, Heinemann and, um, and Zell and also Cameron Bickers and Niazga. 
wow, it was amazing. Like but that combination, the chemistry they have. I mean, the Heinemann and Zellam had been playing for what, like a, not even a month yeah. together. And you can see this perfect understanding. I just, you know, the U.S. has never had, I think, a qual- world-class quality central midfielder, like to a tandem. You know, you have Michael Bradley, but usually there's somebody missing there, not world-class. But this, if things work out well and, you know, they, they develop correctly, um, this could be thing. And also the defense was Cameron Vickers is a beast. I don't know how that guy's. What, 18, 17 years old? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's taking over, so I, I'm excited. We'll I saw – who said this? I don't know if you saw this, Trevor. Somebody – there was somebody on Twitter, some respected uh, assessor of talent that I know and follow on Twitter. Maybe it was Will Parchman. Maybe it was somebody else. They said on Twitter that they think that Cameron Carter-Vickers could become the best center back the United States has ever had. Or will he said will? I mean, it was like a, it was like a foregone conclusion. Cameron Carter Vickers is going to be the best center back the United States has ever had. So there, you, that's that's what now now that that might not mean a lot. I mean, think about the center backs the United States has produced. It's not as though we've had yeah, any world class yeah. players at the position. We've had some pretty good players at the position. Bocanegra wasn't bad. Onyewu and Onyewu wasn't bad at that position. Eddie Pope was pretty damn good for a while. So we've had some of some talent there. But maybe that's where maybe that's yeah. where the ceiling is, uh, Pablo. Well, and the exciting thing about in certain way, I mean, like you're saying, like we can't get ahead of ourselves. We've seen many you know, experiences crash and burn with players, but you know, you have John Anthony Brooks, who's still very young, who's seen, uh, playing in the uh, you know in Germany, and he, he had some flashes of brilliance and also makes his mistakes, but he's young. So I can't imagine like a tandem of a, a Brooks and Cameron Vickers, you know, or whoever comes up, maybe you know, Miazga or or this. Kid, Eric Palmer Brown, mm-hmm. but uh, it seems uh, the future very bright for central defenders. That, like you said, the U.S. has always, always lacked. We just, uh, we just have to be, we just have to be patient, Pablo. It, it, look, I, the, the hype train. I don't like being patient. I know I don't like being patient. I'm the, I'm the least patient person <laughs> in the world. I hate it, but we have to because these guys have to grow and they have to mature and they have to. They have to be playing consistently. And again, like you said, we've seen people be derailed. And, and to this point, and I'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade, be excited. It's fun to be excited. You're allowed to be excited because you're a fan of the sport. But go back to 2007 and remember that run, that team that, that, that we put out in 2007 up in Canada under Thomas Rongan. There were some talented yeah. players that we expected a lot out of on that team. Now, as far as I know, only Josie Altador and Michael Bradley became regulars from that team. If, there's, if I'm somebody I'm missing, let me know. Uh, but I think that's about it. We had guys like, yeah, like uh, Danny Zatella who played very well in that tournament. We had guys like um, the Marvel win too. I guess I remember. Was correctly. he uh, was he in that tournament? I'm trying. To, he may have been a little bit older than that. Uh, I'm trying to. The, um, uh, Sal Zizo was on that team and and played very oh, well. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, these guys are a lot of them. They're all going to become professional players. What their level tops out at we don't know yet but we see the talent we see the ability we see plenty of potential i think that again that's a reason to be excited we just have to be careful i don't know should we be careful because we don't want to get hurt ourselves pablo or should we be careful because maybe that kid's head gets too big and he gets derailed because of that uh, it could be bossy, but you know, like in, there's, there's a difference here you have cameron vickers playing you know in a very solid system in tottenham you have a uh, Heinemann and, you know, Zalalem also playing in very solid systems where they have high-level coaching staff, uh, 
competition as well. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, let's be, let's be wary of it. But like you're saying, it, it's nice to imagine a potential future with, you know, one like high quality class level play, uh, level players. So we'll see. Well, thanks for taking the call, man. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Good luck. And uh, everything. Thanks for the call, Pablo in DC. 646-832-3909 is your phone number. Again, a question out there for you. If there was an alternative to the World Cup, if there was some sort of boycott by UEFA countries, certain UEFA countries, et cetera, et cetera, would you want the United States to pull out of the 2018 World Cup and boycott the FIFA version and go join this one? That's your question. That's the question. Because I don't think FIFA's going anywhere until at least 2018. It's not like that tournament's going to be canceled. So if that's the case, you have the option. Continue within FIFA, continue to play by their dirty rules, continue to be a part of a corrupt system, maybe deal with, uh, you know, the likelihood of not getting a tournament ever because, hey, you know, it's the U.S. that really finally brought the hammer down on FIFA, or at least while Seth Blatter's in charge. And even then, after that, who knows? He's going to have a lot of friends hanging around. But your options are to continue to be part of a corrupt organization or to join whatever this other thing is. And there is no guarantee that the people behind this other thing are going to be the cleanest individuals either. Let's not act like Michelle Platini is a saint or an angel or some sort of righteous moral crusader who's going to clean up the sport. Not a chance he is that. Not a chance. And he's at the head of UEFA. So if UEFA, and I don't know what they're looking at here. Again, they're having discussions this week. If they, I don't know if they, they're going to decide hey, this has to be unanimous if we're going to do this or we can leave. Like, again, Russia's out. They're hosting the, the, the FIFA tournament in 2018. They're certainly out. It looks like Germany is out. Germany is, is probably the biggest dog on the block. Germany's the defending World Cup champions. They're the ones that you get to pull out if you're trying to make a statement. Mike on Twitter, big teams pulling out completely ruins the prestige. That's the point. Yes, of course. Germany, apparently, Wolfgang Nierbach doesn't see any value in boycotting. Nierbach, let me get it right. Wolfgang Nierbach. I I don't I'm not I can't tell the man to boycott. I can't go ahead and say do I don't I'm not in the man's business. I'm just if I can't understand the statement that won't accomplish anything. Of course it'll accomplish something. It'll show that FIFA doesn't have a stranglehold on the sport anymore. Maybe it's all over. If Germany's out, maybe the whole thing needs to be the whole idea needs to be scrapped. We barely started talking about it. It was barely an even a notion. I, I, UEFA is the key to everything. But Germany is one of the keys to UEFA. And without Germany, I mean, you know, the, the, entire, the entire continent follows Germany economically. Why wouldn't they follow them on the football pitch as well? Germany's not going to lead the charge to go play somewhere else and leave FIFA. Then why would anybody else? Some uh, updates on the Copa America 2016. In case you thought, you know, I don't really like FIFA. I don't really not cool with the World Cup. But this is the system as it exists. 
maybe we won't be playing in the 2018 World Cup because of a boycott or pulling out or FIFA breaking up. But at least we have Copa Centenario, Copa America Centenario in 2016. Or as my friend Jared calls it, Copa Fantastico. Not so fantastico now. Jose Luis Meisner, the Secretary General of South America's soccer governing body, Conmebol, spoke to a radio station in Argentina on Monday and is pretty skeptical about next summer's tournament going ahead. Today, one has to question the possibility of playing this tournament. We have to be, we have to be prepared for an enormous turmoil to hold this event, given the rights holders are also being questioned. Traffic sports. Thanks, guys. I think you should bag that. I think you should just put that out of your head already. Stop worrying about 2016. Copa America in this country. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. How could anybody believe that it will, based on what the DOJ said? $111 million, $110 million in bribes passed around. So again, we come to this question: What what is left here? I mean, it, we, we don't have a we don't have a, a FIFA that's breaking up yet. We have a FIFA that is standing firm. We have a FIFA that is denying culpability, despite obvious evidence that they are part party to corruption. We've seen numerous individuals go down. We've seen. We see it touch CONCACAF and Comnable and everything that's happening here. We've seen UEFA bluster about pulling out over Sepp Blatter's, Sepp Blatter's re-election. Now we have Germany saying that's not going to accomplish anything. I'm not sure where I don't know I don't know what the U.S. is supposed to do at this point. Uh, they made their bed here. U.S. Soccer's made their bed because, again. How long has U.S. soccer been dealing with Chuck Blazer and Jack Warner? How long have they been standing idly by while those two crooks did what they did? I, if your excuse is, well, we didn't want to rock the boat, you know, we're just a, we're just the United States. Um, we don't really have, you know, we really don't have a lot of clout. In the world, uh, in world soccer, uh, we were afraid of our position. If we did, if we said anything, if we uh, overturned the apple cart, then uh, you know, maybe we wouldn't get a fair shake in Concacaf anymore. You can't do that, and then also claim to be the ones interested in reform and cleaning up the mess. Washington on Twitter, if the U.S. boycotts 2018, will that hurt the U.S. level on the field? Of course it will. Because if the U.S. boycotts 2018, what are you going to do? Qualifying all the way up until you, you get to 2018? Qualify for the tournament and then say, nah. Nah, we got, nah we're good. You guys are, you guys are crazy. You got crazy people over there. We don't be part of your crazy thing. It's in Russia, anyway. Who wants to go there? I mean, come on. Putin doesn't like us. We, we'll just stay home. So when you was that when when do you decide that you're not going to qualify? So when do you boycott? You lose how many games are you losing? How many how many countries are going to play you because you're boycotting? Of course that's and that's the for US soccer that's the problem. How how much of a setback 
is a World Cup boycott for the United States. If there is, especially if there's no alternative World Cup, especially if there's no UEFA held Brazil, Argentina jump in a uh, cup of the world. I don't think that would fly by, uh, <laughs> I don't think that would fly on the trademark front, but the cup of the world, if that came to be a thing, if there is not one of those, you just cut off your nose to spite your face. At least in terms of soccer development. And if you were in that position, I don't think it's as easy as people want to make it out to be. If you're in charge of American soccer, how hard is it to make the decision to stunt the growth of your sport because it's the right thing to do? I think it's tough. I think it's really tough. I think it is. 646-832-3909 is your phone number. Just a couple more minutes here if you guys want to jump in. Vince in Toronto with a uh, a very nice uh, factoid here. Speaking of the 2007 U-20 World Cup, which I just mentioned with uh, Pablo, speaking of that tournament with those players, one of the players in that tournament, Freddie Adu, it's his birthday today. It's Freddie's birthday today? Is he listed on the FIFA birthday page? Because when we started this show, that was one of the things we did. Yeah, just turned 26 years old, Mr. Adu. Happy birthday, Freddie. 26, man. Getting up there. Making me feel old. There is a FIFA birthday page, right? Because we used to use that on this show. We used to go through the birthdays. There's there's like a group of names, and I pick out a couple to highlight and say happy birthday, and maybe talk about their their careers a bit. If I knew anything, if I didn't, I'd look them up. Where's the FIFA birthday page, Trevor? June 2nd, 2015. Let's see. Happy birthday. Who was born on June 2nd? It's Abby Wambach's birthday. I'm glad I looked this up. I didn't know it was Abby Wambach's birthday. Happy birthday to Abby Wambach. I'm going to go look through this list really quickly. If you guys want to jump in. Oh, okay. Let's get to Robert in LA. What's going on, Robert? Hey. <laughs> hey, good morning, Jason. Uh, morning. I wanted uh, want to say uh, yesterday interview you had was really entertainment and great. And I just want to talk about uh, the Qatar World Cup. And you notice how, I mean, right now all the, the world's attention is on FIFA. And this happened after the vote switched the 2022 to the winter, which will be like 2021. Now, I'm asking uh, you, do you think that if this all worldwide attention on FIFA happened before the vote, do you think that vote happened? Not in the way it did, no. No, of course not. No. If people had been arrested before the bidding for the 2018 and 2022 World Cup, we'd have different countries hosting those tournaments. I, I guarantee it. No, 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 no. I mean, like, no, no. I mean, after the vote. Oh, for the... I mean, for the, already got the World Cup, but oh. going from summer, from June to November, mm. because I, I noticed this, like, uh, with, like, Fox and, like, you know, Eric and all the Alexis and Rob Stone, they're all talking about how, like, the whole thing needs to be, they, they all jump, like, on, everyone jumped on the bed, uh, like, to blame people for everything, but when the vote happened, they were all saying how it was a good thing, because, you know, like, the Europeans 
can only have half a season, and now they're like completely due up a one eighty. I don't know. I, that's a good question. I mean, if they're not going to take the World Cup away from Qatar, then I think they still would have they still would have decided to do this. And I don't think that the arrest okay. I don't think the arrest would impact the decision to keep the World Cup in Qatar. Now, if there's further fallout and something serious is out, is alleged about the the Qatari bid and the voting and 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 et cetera, et cetera, then maybe we see some fallout, but they have held so strong on this thing, uh, Robert, that I don't know. I don't think there's going to change it. Change much. Ah, uh, well, well, that's uh, that's sad to hear. But uh, all right, I just want to get that. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it, Robert. Thanks a lot, man. All right, I'm sorry. I'm just looking through these birthdays. Uh, I don't know any of these people for the most part. I mean, this is like everybody in the world who was born on June 2nd, and it has any connection at all to the sport. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't not recognizing many of these names. Maybe you will. Hey, there's a guy named Randy whose birthday is today. Where is Randy from? Cause that's awesome. His name is just Randy. He's from Equatorial Guinea. Do we know this guy? Maybe I knew this guy. Randy, born in 1987. All right. An American named Ruben Mendoza, born in 1931. Okay, I'm not so sure about him either, but uh, perhaps I'll need to go back and look But at the career of Ruben Mendoza. Terrence Moore of Canada, born in 1958. Zach Ibsen of the United States, born in 1972. And that's pretty much it. Really, it's Abby Wambach and Freddie Adu's birthday. And then a bunch of other people that I've never heard of. So happy birthday to those two people. Thank you guys for calling. Thank you guys for listening. Go to backheel.com slash store. Buy yourself a soccer morning mug. We got t-shirts at 3nilfc.com. You should buy those as well. Thank you very much to Dwayne Rollins. Sorry for his Skype issues. He gave us good information ahead of that crash. Very, very much like FIFA Skype. Just not trustworthy at all. All right. We'll uh, wrap this one up. Go to worldsoccertalk.com as well, by the way. And there's a there's a bunch of information on sponsors, FIFA sponsors, and how to pressure them at World Soccer Talk. Go check that out. And check out And I'll see you guys later. Bye.